All right. <clears throat> Good stuff. What's up, everybody? We are happy November, by the way. Um, if anybody has the uh, Halloween candy hangover, um, you know, I got four kids and we have buckets of candy. And I walk around the house like this, like it doesn't exist. It's not there. Getting old, man. Um, anyway, we're going to be uh, talking to Dan Burgos today. Um, and we're going to be talking about manufacturing businesses in particular. Now, any business, by the way, that uh, has any type of operations going on, any type of delivery that's needed, um, is going to be able to learn from this, as well as those who are looking for improving profit margins. The principles we're going to discuss are pretty universal, but we're going to dive deep into manufacturing as well to make sure that um, you know Dan can use this for the audience that, that he's attracting. I, I saw that he's worked with SpaceX um, and Orkin and, and other cool companies, so um, we're going to test his knowledge on that a little bit. Um, but he, uh, we were ha we were having some issues with Streamyard today. Not Streamyard's fault, just probably Microsoft Edge and Chrome and all those things, you know, get a little discombobulated. So um, if you ever have any technical difficulties with your podcasts um, or your own streaming, uh, you know what, what we went through with that. So um, anyway, let me let me dive in. We'll start the intro and we'll get rolling with Dan. All right. Welcome in to Vision Pros Live with Jackson Callum. I'm your show host. We'll be doing interviews for visionary entrepreneurs and guest leaders who are building fantastic visions out there. All right, welcome to Vision Pros Live. I'm your host, Jackson Callum, founder and CEO of First Class Business, and I am excited to have Dan Burgos on the show. Um, before we dove into Dan and his story manufacturing and what he's capable of doing, which, by the way, I'm not a manufacturer, so I want to be clear here as, as, I, as I analyze what he's doing, I might ask some fairly dumb questions for people who are in the manufacturing field, but I did a little bit of research and we'll dive into a lot of character recognition as well in the process. And we will try to dig into case studies and, and really get some applicable data for everybody. Um, but before we do that, I also want to highlight the sponsors we have. ColdClick, that is how we manage our LinkedIn automation. I work with Art Hoffman over at ColdClick, fantastic systems. Um, very grateful for what they do to help make sure that we're constantly connecting to new people. The, the process of automation is not evil. You, you breathe automatically, I hope, um, and we're lucky enough to do that. Um, your body does a lot of automated things. Well, I, I use this system to make sure I get connected to great people, people who are also aligned with wanting to align with me. And the more people I'm able to get in front of, the more likely I'm able to find people who are ready here and now to say, hey, you know what? We align. We should, we should see if there's an opportunity to work together. So I do highly recommend using automation tools, but I also highly recommend working with a phenomenal team to craft your messaging first. There are too many people that are using systems like that, that are walking up to people and saying like, hey, do you want my case studies? I really want you to work with me. Or, hey, looks like we have mutual friends. Nobody likes that. That's like going up to somebody and saying, hey, you're kind of cute. Do you want to get married? Stop it. Business doesn't work that way. Neither, neither do relationships that are healthy. And, and, uh, and you know, if you want to work with great leaders, you're going to have to tone it down a little bit and use those tools appropriately. Um, now, Tap Mental as well. I really love what Dave Goodall has done with tapmental.io, how he's helped people. Uh, I've been digging deep into his business with him on a weekly basis, looking at what he's up to and his ability to help small businesses, especially in the general contracting and the construction realm, unlock their mindsets 
so they can move forward their systems with better precision and gain control of their lives while they run their multi-million dollar operations. Uh, Dave's extremely benefit, extremely valuable in that regard. So I highly recommend checking out Tap Mental. And last but not least, of course, is the Water Project. We always want to be raising awareness for those who have uh, greater needs than our own. And the Water Project represents just that. We're talking about people in parts of the world that do not have access to something as simple as clean drinking water. You and I have access to it at will, pretty much. These kids are often uh, traveling for their family a few miles away from where they live to get non-clean drinking water for their school or their family, missing out on school, and then uh, coming back with that. And it, you just, I, I don't know, I don't want to paint too, too uh, emotional of a picture here, but... What is what is very uplifting is knowing that you're able to give to these communities and then you're able to see the community put in the work to get their well built or their sand dam built. And then you can see the transformation. But imagine over 10 years what that's going to do for that part of the world's ability to educate their children better and to build holistic societies. Uh, it's amazing what types of of power one dollar has so if you have the ability to give back to something and you're not giving to something else please give it to the water project if you know of another circumstance of need that needs uh, us to contribute to it don't hesitate to drop that in the comments we're always happy to look at opportunities to give back um, so without further ado i'll now bring dan on and we also got to find out if i'm butchering his last name the way people like to butcher mine uh, so dan thanks so much for being here today on the show welcome to vision pros live very nice. Thanks for having me, Jackson. I appreciate it. Absolutely. How do you pronounce your last name, Dan? Uh, it depends if you want me to say it in English or in Spanish. The, the proper way Burgos. to Spanish. Burgos. Burgos. Yeah. Perfect. There we yes. go. Yeah, so I am butchering it. That's fair. And you <laughs> do pronounce it, I'm assuming, most of the time in English, or do you do you help people get the accent? No, no. I mean, as many... As, uh, many uh, new people as I meet, uh, it's probably going to be very time consuming. So I just say Burgos, which is sounds similar. Burgos, that is so, so American. <laughs> That's us with Callum. We turned it to Callum and the Swiss pronunciation, the Swiss French pronunciation is Calame. Um, and so I, I do the same thing, my friend. Um, just don't call me Calame. Everybody out well, there, I, I don't like the Calame. It's like Spanish for lame, pretty much. So anyway, let's keep going, Dan. Um, manufacturing businesses and, and all that All that said, um, I define someone who's, who should be listening. But in your opinion, who should be listening right now and why should they listen to you? So I would say uh, who should listen? Anyone that's in a leadership position, an executive leadership position on any manufacturing business and they're trying to drive profitable growth through their execution and their people. And basically, that's the reason they uh, they should listen, because uh, nowadays in manufacture, labor is scarce and everybody is trying to grow their business, but there's not going to be enough labor around. And so uh, how do you make up for that by becoming more, uh, more efficient, meaning you need less labor uh, or also uh, improving the environment you provide for your people so they don't uh, you don't prompt them to leave and, and go to your competition, which are two powerful levers that, you know, companies have at their disposal. Absolutely. Both very, very good points. There's, I got some rants to, 
to talk about too in the fast food industry and these dang kiosks that they're anyway um we'll we'll talk about that later but i do believe in operational efficiency for sure um as well as the ability to automate what should be automated um so i i did see in your lineup i mean it really struck me spacex is that a client of yours uh we did some work with them uh it was a very small engagement so uh, we did work with them in a facility okay. they have here in, uh, in Texas. Uh, it was a very minute project, uh, and so on, but yeah, nonetheless, we went there and we, but you did uh, it. yeah, it was me personally. Uh, okay. and it was, um, one thing I'll take away from that, if you don't mind me sharing. Not at all. So Elon Musk, I was just worried. It's like, man, if we announce this and it's not true, Elon Musk is taking you to prison tomorrow. Um, so let's make sure that this is real um, and actually happened. But yeah, go ahead, man. Share away. Yeah, the uh, the power of the culture. So uh, they were testing rockets, uh, takeoffs. And I mean, I don't know if you've ever heard, uh, read the, the the mission or the, the mission for or the purpose for, for SpaceX. No. And it's, it goes something on the lines of to explore intergalactic travel for human beings, something very profound and aspirational. And I could almost see it in people's forehead. Like, yeah, we're trying to make this happen. And then we're all in and for Elon and all that. I mean, that left that impression. That was years ago. And that left that impression that I still speak to when I'm talking to clients about using the power of really, you know, building a cause, a purpose that, people really identify with dude oh you you have no idea how happy that makes me because when i talk about growth and growth being based on not the product or the service but on the vision i use elon musk and tesla as the model for that all the time so to hear that that resonates so well at the culture of the company at, at, even at the manufacturing level i shouldn't say even at the main but it's like a level that people don't think about you take for granted you only think about it when it goes wrong when it goes right you just like right. okay cool my microwave food is ready oh um, exactly so that's at least yeah, I mean, what i what i think most consumers think it was incredibly palpable that people were committed invested uh and wanting to really add to that cause um incredible incredible i've never seen that spark in people's towards the the cost of the company it, it was very impressive to me that's awesome good stuff well let's talk about the vision that you have what's your vision for those that you serve yeah so i feel that uh manufacturing should be uh an integral part of a company's, uh, not a company's, a country's economy. And mm. the U.S. for, we lost, we lost that for a few decades here where we were offshoring a lot of the manufacturing work. And my hope is to, you know, our purpose is to help U.S. manufacturing thrive. And so my hope is to bring more of that back to the U.S. to, to help companies make it work here, here in the U.S., yeah. Awesome. Well, I think it's that's valuable too. Have you ever read the book What Went Wrong? I have not. Most no, people, I, most people have. So I was required college reading for me my three semesters that I went to college. Um, maybe, maybe four. I don't know. You probably shouldn't count one of those. Um, <laughs> but the uh, I did like my international politics class, and they taught. It, it's a fantastic book that showcases um, the transition of world powers from the east to the West 
because of exactly what you're talking about, the offshoring of your manufacturing and the uh, lack of education then um, and know-how that your country is experiencing when you become lazy um, as, a, as a country. I'm not saying we're there yet. I'm not here to torch our country or any country for that matter, but um, read the book. Good book. Worth knowing about. Um, feel free to torch away too if, if that's part of your vision. But um, what about you, Dan, for you specifically? For yourself, what's what's your vision over the next five to twenty years? What do you want to accomplish, or do um, you know what? Uh, if we can help, uh, uh, I want to say five hundred to a thousand manufacturers really build a solid execution. And what I mean by that is not only being efficient, but also giving the people the tools to really manage the operation and sustain high levels of performance. And in addition to that, or finally also creating a culture where that that effect that I just described for SpaceX, it's actually palpable for them. I've seen it in pockets in different companies, depending on their focus and their purpose. But if once you have all of those things together, I mean, the, the you can propel your, your business performance to, to levels you probably can't think about. And mm -hmm. I, if I may ask you this, Who's the give me a give me a name? I want you to think of a name. Who yeah. is the person that you've worked with that you feel, man, their work ethic is amazing. They they're very good at their job. They're responsible. I can count on them. One name. Give me one name. Jake Larson, video power marketing. All right, Jake Larson. So what I want you to think about is if you build your company to be hundreds of employees and you could clone into other people that work ethic, that attitude that uh, reliability that you have on him and all that. Imagine what that could do for, for, for your business, for its growth, for its performance and all that. That's what we're looking to create when we look at culture. Can you envision that? Is that something you can envision? Dude, yeah, we would have the most balanced work culture and almost everybody would be wakeboarding every weekend too or playing golf and stuff. Um, so uh, that's pretty cool. And, and still be really good people. Um, and then what exactly. we do. Yeah, no, it would be like a perfect way. We'd be in heaven. So the feeling that feeling, uh, I don't know if you have experienced it, but some of us have experienced it on, on a Sunday evening and you're thinking about Monday morning. I got to go back to that place instead of being kind of, mm. oh, you know, you'd be like, right. yeah, I'm going to go see my butts. We're going to have some fun and yes. get some work done. Imagine that. That's what I'm looking to create for companies if I can. Dude, that's awesome. I mean, that was Jake. That was my boss. That's what, what he was, um, you know, and so, uh, yeah, it would be it'd be amazing. It's it's going to be amazing. You know, as uh, as Tim Ferriss teaches the four hour work week, um, you know, and people grasp that concept and and Robert Kiyosaki opens the brains of rich dad, poor dad and, and work culture start to pay attention to, you know, oh, cool. I, I should have a family and care about them, too, you know, while while the building my businesses. Um, culture matters. And uh, now, you know, was it was different before. I think when uh, you had coal miners working in the mine all day and they didn't have earbuds to listen to podcasts, um, you know, there's just, they knew what they knew um, and on they're stuck doing what they were stuck doing. Nowadays, the world shifted a lot um, and people's minds are open there. They realize, oh man, I can move States and make four times as much money and pay half the taxes. Um, it's, it makes it very hard. Um, if you're not willing to change and evolve, adapt to to that reality sounds like sounds like you are so what are as you as you get ready to drive um businesses towards towards greater profit margins 
What does that look like? What types of things do manufacturing companies need to be paying attention to that they're overlooking? Yeah. So one, the labor, I mean, labor shortages, it's, it's a widespread uh, issue in all of manufacturing. Um, and when I talk to leaders, often I hear uh, we need to increase our compensation, thinking that that's going to solve the problem or, or somehow keep people motivated or uh, in their companies. And what happens right. is that people have, once the basic monetary needs for, uh, you know, basic living expenses are covered, then the, st the work starts, right? Like, how are you going to continue to keep those people engaged? motivated wanting to grow um keeping an environment where they get along with their uh with their co-workers right uh, we spend what a third of our lives uh at, at our work uh and our environment imagine having uh I'm, I'm gonna say the opposite right of your of your friend people that you get don't get along with it's a tense mm. relationship people people leave because of that or if they have a boss that just makes their life uh uncomfortable and so yep. Unfortunately, absolutely. Uh, well, fortunately, that is very inexpensive to accomplish. But unfortunately, the manufacturing sector hasn't caught up entirely. I'm, I'm reading that more and more people are embracing that, but it's 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 very cost efficient because all you have to do is get a meeting and 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 really hone in your message and deploy it into your human systems, um, as opposed to raising salaries and all that. That that's all good and well, but it's not the only thing. And I think a lot of leaders lose sight of that because they have yeah. more of a short-term mentality as opposed to having a longer term. Uh, you were actually flashing on the website. We have a criteria there that says our ideal client. And what we're trying to convey there is we're looking for long-term leaders, people that know that they need to invest into their people. They know they need to the importance of culture. And uh, and they're not looking just for changes on the fringes, on the fringes but actually making significant change to elevate their performance, which is what's needed. Yep, absolutely. You know, I'll, I'll share two young and dumb immature stories of myself, um, you know, in the job market that prove your point um, that I think everybody can relate to. One, um, I went to the UPS store to get a job. Um, a, a gentleman owned it who um, was fairly close to us. Um, I, I hope this doesn't come back to him, um, but uh, I was there for three days and on my third day, we had nothing to do. And, and, he, and I, you know, I'm excited to like learn something new. And I, I was, I mean, I was as immature and like eager to not work as anybody else, I thought. But, you know, I said, what do we do? Um, you know, and he says, come watch YouTube with me. Um, you know, we got, we got downtime, you know, and, and uh, whatever he put on was really crass and kind of like, against my ethics too at the time um but my main thought well, that didn't bother me too much what bothered me was i don't want to sit here all day and watch youtube like is this really so i asked him after he was done with the youtube was like how oh, funny funny um well so what else do we learn like is there anything else we he's like nope you've learned it all i did oh, not go God. back to work <laughs> that was it that was it i was done and so you know, I, you gotta, you gotta be able to understand what do your employees want? What do they need? What are they motivated by? Like you said, it's not necessarily the money. And then I went to Sonic. Um, I am back to might've worked at Sonic first. I don't remember which, but when I went to Sonic, the, the restaurant chain that's shutting down everywhere now, um, like I don't know what happened, but they're all disappearing. Um, and my, my main goal, I got my, I got my money and I got my raise and all that, but I, I didn't realize it until I was at the end of the line, but the day I quit, 
was the day I had dated the last car hop. That was it. I was done. I was there. I was there for social means. I wanted to, I wanted to date girls. I wanted to have some fun, you know, and that was it. I was 16 years old. I mean, what do you expect from me? Um, so knowing what the culture of the environment you're creating and what motivates people to, to be around or hiring people that are there for the right reasons, maybe they should have hired somebody different if that wasn't what they were looking for. I was a pretty good employee. I brought six others to, to come work with us um, for, and they stayed and I didn't. So I, that worked out well for them. But yeah, gonna to say your it. point, manufacturing plants, um, any any type of company. You had other companies that you mentioned you work with too, construction companies, education. Uh, yes, you mentioned healthcare hospitals as well. Um, we've done very little work in healthcare, um, but but yeah, don't work uh, in hospitals and uh, clinics uh, as well. That's not a big part of our, of our you know our clientele, but mainly manufacturers, some distribution. Uh, definitely have done construction, higher education, oil and gas as well. Um, yeah. yeah, that and makes sense. Working right, which is a service based business. Oil and gas is uh is changing quite a lot right now. Um, as well. And, and for, for good and for bad, um, I, I don't really care about the good and bad labels. I just look at things as, as they are. Um, but the, uh, my dad, um, is a, is a petroleum engineer and my brothers and I, uh, absolutely loved the experience of, of working with him. Uh, but we absolutely hated it. I mean, he's the most verbally abusive person I've ever met. Um, and so we had a very difficult time and I met my brothers a few years later, um, got to see them again at a funeral. They live in Montana. I live in Texas. Um, and they were working in a new company and, and they said, hey, just so you know, everything dad didn't taught us is completely backwards from how we actually do things in the field. Um, people treat you nicely. You get benefits. Um, you know, there's there's rules that, that should be followed and blah, 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 blah. Like, I mean, they basically torched him. Um, and. Uh, what they were pointing out was, again, the shift from a roughneck environment to more balance in terms of culture and a, an appreciation for people being responsible and on time. Um, and again, a, just a, a, a general shift. And uh, and that was that conversation was like 10 years ago now. Mm. What what other changes are, are happening right now? Um, and how do oil and gas people and manufacturers, again, I think they have pretty similar work environments. Uh, sure. what, what do they need to be aware of right now that they should be preparing for? Um, so, yeah, definitely. Have, I see a lot of pa parallels with what you described. Um, and if you go to our website, we have an infographic there that's called uh, the cost of poor leadership. And it talks about the behaviors like micromanaging and taking credit for other people and so on. And, uh, and, it, and then another one that's called traditional leader versus lean leader. So traditionally, and there's still quite a bit of that still out in the market. Uh, in, in fact, it's probably one of the largest gaps that we see in manufacturing where we still have a lot of these leaders from uh, probably the generations uh, before us, before you and I, I think you're probably, you and I are probably similar age groups. Um, and so these baby boomers that that uh, grew up in that environment right where it was i'm the boss i tell you what to do uh i know better you need to just you know put your hands to work and let me think uh type of environment ah. we still see that that's still that's still out there um and so to answer the second part of your question which is what they should be aware manufacturers should be aware is 
these newer uh, or younger generations, they didn't grow up around that. Some of them don't even know about uh, uh, dial-up connections, a world without internet, um, or having information at the tip of your fingers. Uh, and so they don't respond very well to that, uh, to, to that type of leadership. And one of the things we do is when we go visit manufacturers, we look at, okay, let's see what the generational makeup of this workforce is, right? Is it tilted towards uh, millennials uh, or is it tilted towards uh, baby boomers? And if you can imagine in a vision that that looks very different, right? Depending on where it's tilted, right? Yep. Uh, and be, you need to be aware of that. In, in addition to that, you need to be aware of if you have a lot of people in retirement age because they have a lot of knowledge some tribal knowledge and some institutionalized knowledge that you want to prevent from walking out when they retire. And so those are part of the dynamics that uh, as a business leader, uh, these executives need to manage uh, because these generational differences can create conflict. Yeah, they, they really can. And there's an opportunity there. I mean, even for somebody like my dad, um, you know, and I, I don't want anybody to, so the, here's anything. My dad was never that way to me. Right. He was he was to lots of other people in my life. Um, but I think one of the challenges is a lot of a lot of my generation um, and, and even generations younger grew up watching their parents treat other people like crap. While being treated super, super, super well themselves by that same parent. Um, and then it creates this isolational feeling of like, oh, so I'm supposed to be treated great, but it doesn't matter how I treat other people, um, you know, and, and so. Uh, when we can take a step back as as leaders of our companies and say, well, wait a second, OK. How can I learn the languages necessary to bridge the, the gap between the wisdom and knowledge that exists with the experience that's maybe a little bit rougher on the edges um, yes. and help these really soft young kids appreciate it and want it, um, you know, so that there's a there's a strong gap of, of success between the two. I think tribal leadership is probably one of the best books I've read on that type of subject, um, and, but it, it's not enough. You still need experts like yourself to be able to come in. And help with that. So, let's take a deep dive into, uh, or a little, maybe not a deep dive, but uh, I'll let you decide how deep we go. What is your worst business experience ever, Dan? All right. Yeah. I. I okay. So yeah, I'll share this one. So I have actually a, a, a good story to tell about this one. Okay. So, um, and I, I need to set it up for a moment. So, uh, by training, I'm an engineer, right? So I'm all about numbers and figures and factories and processes and systems, right? Mm -hmm. um, at one point, I, I go to work for this huge oil and gas company. And when I get there, you know, the, the culture was uh, a, a, a culture that was all about results and, and, and competitive and all this. And I pushed and pushed and pushed myself and felt like the more I pushed, the more bureaucratic, the more red tape I came across. And that created kind of a dynamic where I was stressing myself out and it was it got to the point where uh, it flared up a heart condition that I had. I ended up in the ER a handful of times. If any of your listeners want to read more about that, uh, you can go to our about, about Us page called down at the bottom and I speak all about it. And basically, I mean, like I said, right, I ended up in the, in the ER a handful of times, very close to being, uh, I had basically arrhythmia. And I came close to being hit with a defibrillator, uh, basically, to bring me back to normal uh, uh, heart rhythm. So I 
you know, that that cut me through personally because I felt the pressures of being in an environment where your successes are not uh, recognized or celebrated, but your flaws or your shortcomings are pointed out. Mm-hmm. And obstacles are being put in front of you when you're really trying to drive change. Uh, and so that actually is my motivation and my passion for creating a better work environment because I know what it feels to really feel that pressure from a, from a culture, from a poor culture fit. I mean, if, if other people can be happy and successful, uh, uh, emphasizing happy, really, in, in an environment that's so cutthroat that you feel like you you need to walk with, with something holding your back, the, the, the stabbing, it's going to be nonstop all day long. Oh. Uh, good for them. For me, I'd rather be in an environment where I can come in. I trust the people that I'm working with shoulder to shoulder. We're getting things done. And there's no there's no uh, uh, individual ambition like you get the recognition or I get the recognition. Hey, we're all in here trying to do our best. And we all have aspirations, but it can come at the expense of putting someone else down. And yeah. that, I mean, that was a lifelong lear- lesson. And I'll tell you how I applied it. Uh, subsequently, I was working at another big company, and the environment was very similar. There was probably worse. This this one. It was so tense that I, uh, as a result of that experience, I learned what alopecia was. I was getting a haircut, and the person cutting my hair said, "What's this bald spot you had in your having your in the back of your head?" And when he showed me the the mirror. I had a perfectly drawn uh, uh, oval figure with no hair, as if I never had hair, and it, as if it had been drawn with a surgical uh, device. And that's when I learned, my wife told me, this is happening again. And I, I walked away from that. I said, I'm done. I can work in this environment, and you need to find someone else to help you. And I have absolutely no regrets. I don't know if you've ever made a big, uh, I don't want to curse, but just a high courage decision that you said. But then when you do it, you're like, yeah, this was the right thing to do. I'm happy and I stand by it years and years after that I made that decision. It was at the the time it was a daunting decision, but it was the right one for me. 100%, 100%. I had 67,000 reasons to sue a particular company. Um, (laughs) And uh, you know, as as I got ready to potentially do that two days later, um, I found myself realizing just how happy I was to be out of that situation um, and removed from <clears throat> a lot of a lot of great learning experiences and the business and the opportunity. But um, it it was it was so clear and obvious. Just move forward, Jackson. You know, learn your lessons from what happened here. Um, protect your heart and the process of sacrificing the finances. Right to to say, you know what, I, I can I can be the bigger person in the situation. Um, and, and move towards my victories. And I, I could have been happier two days later. I was just like, yep, this is where I need to be going or what I need to be doing. So, yeah, man, I think a lot of people listening can, can very much relate to that. Um, and it, you alluded to something important and that's that you, Dan, you have the ability, um, to work as the executive that's leading the way. And in the case of the right opportunity where there's a bigger army at hand, you know, or a bigger operation where they've already got that leader, you do have the capacity to take on a role within it. But mm-hmm. you have the healthy recognition, you, you have those healthy boundaries of I will do it if 
the right environment exists. Um, otherwise, I imagine and just like and it's like me. If, if I don't if, <clears throat> if I don't have that, then I gotta I gotta create that at the brand that I'm I'm willing to go to. Um, so, what's your best experience in business? What's that look like? Uh, let me touch on something because you spurred yeah, up. Go ahead. Um, and this is very powerful, right? A lot of times, you know, you take over uh, uh, a team or a business unit or what have you, and leaders that are well in tune with these concepts, right? They, they they take responsibility very quickly, but others unfortunately feel like, oh, I inherited this team. This is the team I have. It's like I got to deal with what I have, and, mm. and unfortunately. Sometimes it takes people like us to say, no, you are responsible for creating that. Remember that uh, that long time ago conversation about duplicating your best worker or best boss throughout? Yeah. That's what you're striving for. And that's what you should create. And it's your responsibility as a leader to actually do that, yeah. um, to, to do that. So uh, and I will say one more thing before I jump into the question. One of our values is courage courage because and, and it comes from you know me being an immigrant taking a chance learning a second language leaving my past society behind and coming to a new country and all that when you get into an environment we don't a bad situation to us it's not a messy situation it's a messy situation where we don't have a leader that takes responsibility and empowers us to help them get past it if you have the bad situation Okay, you take ownership of it, but change it. Don't just choose to live with it. You have to take ownership of that. And we take that very seriously. When we're getting ready to have a conversation with a leader, we ha I have no qualms whatsoever about saying we have a problem. There's some changes we need to make if you really want to be successful because we can make all the changes you, you can think of in the factory. But if we don't have the right people with the right mindsets and the right behaviors, that set the right uh, examples for their followers, our chances of success are not very good. And so I walk away from wow. that. That's I think it's huge. I'm glad you walked us back to that. I really yes. am um, because it alludes, <clears throat> it also uh, keys in on one of your, your secret weapons. Um, since I haven't heard you define it as part of your culture, I think it's like an underlying reality that, that comes to working you and that's it, diplomacy. You have, <laughs> you have good diplomatic skills. Um, something that I've been trying to develop. Um, I hope I'm getting, getting a lot better at that. Um, but it's when you're, when you're taking over, you're going into an operation where a hundred or a thousand people exist already. Um, if you don't have the diplomatic know-withal, um, and where, and wherewithal to navigate that and, um, you can't just fire everybody at once. Um, you know, you can't just clean house. Um, and then, and then magically have another thousand people come in. You have to be, um, you have to be very patient with, with a process, um, and, and be willing to, um, to know, you have to know what concessions are appropriate, um, in those environments. And that's not, that's definitely not my skill set at that level with, with lots of people. Um, so I would consider adding that to your cultural values because, um, just by knowing the way you talk, seeing the way you represent yourself, um, I think you got some great skills in diplomacy. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, and in terms of a, a good um, a good uh, uh, business situation, it's been when you're allowed. Like I have a passion for this to drive change. When I started, you know, working in industry, and we would make change, and it still happens, right? Like I get this tingly feeling, and I'm thinking, like, 
oh, this is like my physical reaction to actually being fulfilled at the work that I do. Like we're driving change. I'm collaborating with people. We're solving problems and they're engaged. Like they're coming to me like, hey, I made a drawing. Here's what I, I think we should do. And I say, hey, if you feel that's going to work, let's go try it out. Let, let's go. And so when you have that, that's engagement. That's real investment where people are thinking about Monday over the weekend, like, oh, we got to think about this and we have to do that in their own way, right? Some people have yep. families and uh, things that occupy themselves. and But if they're really engaged in the back of their mind, they're thinking, oh, I can't wait for to Monday until I try this idea I had over the weekend or whatever the case may be. Yeah. And so those are the best experiences. And they are enabled when we have mm -hmm. a leader that subscribes to the mindset that we just described, right? They have to have the ownership uh and honestly the uh the i don't want to i don't know how to define it if it's the the psychological stamina to yeah. understand a transformation having Ooh, i like tough, that tough conversations after i mean sometimes you walk in and it's 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 not a bad apple it's a bad tree right full of bad apples right? <laughs> and uh little by little you have to work those you have to work those out of the system there's some that you may be able to uh, convert or, 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 you know, appeal to their uh, better sense to, to improve their character and adapt, as you mentioned earlier. But a lot of times it takes that, like it takes someone to have a firm uh, backbone and say, I will not tolerate this going forward. Henceforth and forthwith, this is not acceptable behavior. You're either on board or off board. This is not the right position. This is not the right division or the right company for you to be at. And we're happy to help you uh, transition into a better fitting situation for yourself. I love that. <clears throat> we're going to skip the uh, the powerful lessons section because you just you just threw down a bunch of them. Um, and I really like this. I've never heard it put that way before. But psychological stamina to withstand transformation. Um, you know, it, it, if anybody's ever experienced a transformation or tried to... Uh, or has sustained transformation for a long period of time, you know exactly what you're talking about. Like that, that hits so hard. Um, and, and yeah, it's important to recognize who uh, as a new team member has the ability to go through that, especially if you're facing that or you know it's on the horizon. Um, but it's also something to probably continually train your employees um, and your team to be aware of and be ready for with a world that's, that's ever changing. So, um, Let's dive a little deeper into the, the the topic now that we've got some of the foundation laid. Um, and so the, the topic at hand, uh, growing manufacturing business profit margins by 25%. I hope everybody listening realizes that you'll probably grow up more than that if you focus on taking care of your people really well. All right. That's that's the general synopsis of what we've just you know established. But what are some of the other technical components? If there's a manufacturer listening in right now, and they could take some practical notes of, okay, these are three things I can do today um, or I can go bother people in my organization about today and say, hey, how are we doing on this? What are those questions that they should be asking themselves and what are the, the, the things they should be looking to accomplish? So let me give you kind of an umbrella concept and then I'll give you some specific pointers. We look for specific activities that um, actually hold back uh, uh, manufacturers, operationally speaking. We have an acronym that is, is, it's mean, it means the, uh, downtime, meaning time that the orders are not progressing towards their final destination. 
and there's a that's an acronym for defects, overproduction, waiting, uh, uh, transportation, uh, uh, neglecting talent, um, uh, uh, excess processing, and uh, and motion. And so, one of the first things, right, to look for is not to get in your own way, right? Can you identify the areas that are producing the most defects, meaning bad parts or par parts that you have to rework or repair or whatever the case may be? You have to dig into that and look and, and complete some root cause analysis, like what's the reason behind the reason behind the reason behind the reason that this is happening? And it, what's the one thing that if we fix, this whole thing goes away? Strive mm -hmm. for that, right? And, and, and be diligent and systematic and consistent about pursuing all of those. Stop getting on, on your own way, right? Another good one is uh, material flow. Like just because you have a plant that's in disarray or, or things are far from each other, doesn't mean you're gonna get more compensation from your, from your uh, buyer, right? They're gonna yep. pay what they're gonna pay. If you do it efficiently, you're gonna make more money. If you do it less efficiently, then you're gonna make less money. So a uh, material flow is a big one, right? Do do your pro does your product travel in unnecessarily throughout a factory, and can you reduce that by bringing things together or or segmenting production lines or where things are not so intertwined and complicated? And then I'll give you one last one to keep it short, and that's uh, motion. So look at your people; they're either adding value or or, or they're not adding value means that they're transforming information product or material into a product that the customer wants to buy. If they're walking, if they're searching, if they're sorting, if they're not doing anything that transforms or, or moves the needle further into that material becoming the final uh, good that you're going to sell, you need to find ways to eliminate that. That would be a, a, a very powerful one. Okay. I have a, a more industry-specific question for you. Um, it's suggested on Google as important. Um, one of the, the suggestions is to look into the ERP technology, the enterprise resource planning technology. Um, is that also something, is that, is that technology something that should be looked at, expanded into, invested in, optimized, or, um, are manufacturers getting distracted from the people opportunities by, the constant pull to, to be looking at computers and technology. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, some people get distra distracted by that. I mean, it has its place. Like, um, just like if a doctor was doing some kind of test or diagnostic on you, they're going to look at numbers, your uh, EKG, your heart rates, and so on and so forth. You have those things, the same for manufacturing, and they fall into four categories, safety, quality, delivery, and cost, right? And those have their place. And, and people should have that because the more complexity you have in your business, the less uh, reliable people and uh, makeshift or manual methods uh, are effective. And so that those have their place and they help you with maintaining uh, your working capital under control, which in manufacturing is a big, uh, a big problem, right? If you have too much inventory very quickly, that could suck a, a tremendous amount of, of cash out of the business. So it, it has its place. Uh, however, we can't get enamored with tools, which is a short-term mentality. We should be always having that long-term picture of what is it we want to accomplish and what's the path of least resistance that I can take 
to get me there. That's awesome. Um, it reminds me of my days in, in uh, restaurant software <clears throat> where we were providing reservation software um, to restaurants so they could get their, their reservations booked online. And those who had the software had a much easier time transitioning to ours because ours was an upgrade and a better and saved the money and blah, blah, blah. But the ones that had the harder time transitioning were the pen and paper restaurants, the ones that had been managing their, their restaurant with pen and paper. Granted, one of the top 10 restaurants in the country was still managing their reservations with pen and paper in 20, what was that, 2015 or so? Um, so all the technology existed, but they had managed to build a great team and a great system while using pen and paper. Under most circumstances, I say that's kind of like giving somebody a toothbrush and a bucket and saying, go, go mop the floors. Um, you know, they, you can't attract great team members with bad systems um, in place. It's a little bit harder. I shouldn't say can't. They proved me wrong. They had that. At the same time, when they finally did make the transition to the software, their business exploded even further because now they're putting great tools in the hands of great people. And uh, we often saw young restaurants come in, put the same software into place and completely fall on their face because they didn't know how to integrate the systems and the people. So Dan, I'm a, I'm a fan of what you do. Uh, I wish you the best. I hope others that are listening in get a lot of value out of what we talked about today. I'm, I'm sure they will. Um, if you're listening and taking notes and applying this to your own business, there's a lot we uncovered today. Is there anything else you'd like to share before we wrap up? Um, yeah. So uh, if, if, if uh, I believe your uh, uh, audience is not necessarily manufacturers, we do have, if, if, if you have some and they're attracted to, to this episode, we have a tool, like a self-assessment tool, that you just go in and answer 10 questions. It covers all the aspects of what we do, and it gives you a score, and it tells you, hey, you're doing really well. Here's some benchmarks that you should strike for, or you're actually better than or, or, or meeting all of our benchmarks, so maintain the course. Um, one thing I did want to say also is that we, if you look in our About page, we have a formula that describes what you just said, right? You need ideal processes, but you also need ideal behaviors. So you can get ideal results and that basically covers. oh yeah there's that's the tool uh yeah. and we have one for manufacturers one for uh distribution centers and we have one for construction uh companies as well make sure you don't, I, you don't have your uh, pop-up blocker uh activated because it, it should be a pop-up sure oh, there no worries. I didn't, I didn't click it. So you're, you're good to go. Um, yeah, if that's what you're looking for, if you're going to the website and uh, everybody have a fantastic rest of your day. If you want to connect with Dan on LinkedIn or elsewhere, feel free to do so. We'll always have those in the show notes. Of course, if you want to be a guest on Vision Pros to share your vision with us as well, uh, don't hesitate to, to apply. We'd love to have you. Dan, thanks for being our guest today. Thanks so much, Jackson. I appreciate you having me. Absolutely. Thank you for being here today. I'm really happy that you tuned in to Vision Pros Live. I'm looking forward to seeing your reactions as these episodes continue to move forward. This is going to get more and more fun. We'll have more and more engagement as well. We'll invite people to participate in the show. And thank you for giving us your time and attention. Have an excellent